Welcome to the Astro. Live from the Astro. Welcome to Live from the Astro. The show that almost didn't happen. <laughs> the show that almost doesn't happen every week. It's true. Yeah, you texted me last night, can you do 4 p.m. today? And I could not. And then you're like, I'll get in touch with you in the morning. And then this morning, basically, you were just like, fuck it, we're doing the Astro. <laughs> okay. I try to be here like. We are. Here we are. I try to be like Obama and not make too many de decisions in the morning. Yeah. But last night I couldn't make a decision either. <laughs> I just my day is kind of crazy today. Yeah, so you have two auditions. Shh. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> There's so many things we're not supposed to talk about that I forget. Anyway, do you want to just jump right into cooking? Do you want to talk about your week? Do you have a good Valentine's Day? Uh, we don't need to talk about Valentine's Day. I mean, it's not <laughs> the okay. fascist day of love. The day where, like, I don't know about you, but my goal is to just, like, not fuck it up. That's, like, my main goal for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I think that I got through it, and that's enough. <laughs> I'm still here, so I guess it was a pretty good Valentine's Day. Nice. Yeah, I thought we could talk about cooking, because recently I realized something about myself and cooking, which is that I, I love to cook, and... Only recently have I really started to understand why. Hmm. I mean, I've been cooking at home for like 10 years or, you know, more, like seriously. And I noticed that whenever I can do something that will take an hour, or there's a version that'll take, that could take 15 minutes, I'll do the version that takes an hour. I like to be alone in the kitchen. Mm. With music I, on or podcasts? Music, podcasts, uh, the radio. I love cooking to KUSC at night, Jim Shveda, um, the most pretentious, hilarious, classical DJ. Yeah. Uh, he's like the kind of guy who, um, I mean, first of all, he has a hilarious voice. Do you know who he is? Mm -mm. So he's on from seven till midnight, five nights a week on KUSC, 91.5, the classical station. And He'll do a lot of uh, the type of intro where, you know, he'll be like, next up, a harpsichord piece by Bach's son, whose first name starts with C. No, not Christian. The other one. <laughs> you know, like, and it, or he'll just like throw, he'll just be like, most people prefer the 1964 Boston Pops version of this, but recently there's been a new recording that is much more sexy. <laughs> like, he'll use the word sexy a lot, uh, and he's just talking about really obscure classical <laughs> music nerddom stuff. Uh, and yeah, he just has a funny... You ready? You want to oh. order? You know what you want? I can't wait. Uh-oh, Martha's feeling uh, shy about the microphone. No, let's talk about it, right. because you have some questions, right? All right, oh yeah. What comes with the French toast special? Mm, nothing. Just a cinnamon just French, French toast. toast. It's a full order here. of French toast. That changed the equation. But you know what? We have this number one that is a combo uh, half order of French toast with bacon or sausage and eggs. Hey, Jess, Do you want French toast? Yeah, I think I want, want something sweet or cakey plus with salty meat is, is the idea. My finger is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Martha just offered her index finger up to me. diabetic. <laughs> it's too sweet. Yeah, you need to mess up your blood sugar. Or sour. I don't know. Well, the right mix of sweet and sour. Right. It's nice. Okay. That's how I like it, too. Yeah. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? Yes. How about you guys? Yeah, it was good. A lot of presents? Or gave a lot of presents? Uh, No, I didn't give any presents. Did you give any? I, you? Did, I didn't give any. Actually, I made fried chicken Whoa. for my girlfriend. Oh, nice. Ooh. That's nice. With flowers and a diamond, right? <laughs> yeah, the flowers and the diamond are inside the thigh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. I'd rather have that than fried chicken. <laughs> you blew it. You blew it. Well, it seems like I really fine. did mess up Valentine's it's Day after all. fine. You know, my he definition of success you. is that I'm still here. Right. You got that right. You got that right, sweetie. Okay, so how about, well, what about that? Okay. Cool, we'll do That's that. Good, yeah. good one. So we're, yeah, we're going to split a waffle with breakfast sausage and two eggs over easy. Sausage and over easy. Only one order? Yeah. yeah. Okie dokie. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Martha. You're welcome. May I please have this dance? Oh, yes, ma'am. 
save the last dance for me. <laughs> Great song. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. That song is by Doc Pomus. You know who Doc Pomus is? He's no. a songwriter who uh, Can you was. Do it in your, um, what is his name? The KOC DJ? Tim Schrader, yeah. It's a recording by Doc. No, actually, he, I don't know if Doc Palm has ever recorded it, but he wrote a lot of famous songs. The only one that I can think of is Say the Last Dance for Me. But I think he had polio or for some reason was in a wheelchair. Mm. And the song is actually about him on his wedding night and his mm, wife sexy. is dancing. Very sexy. <laughs> no, it would never be on KUSC. KUSC is a classical station. Right. Um, but uh, so it's him in his wheelchair watching his wife dance with all of his friends on his on his wedding night. And, and he's like, but, you know, at the end of the night, we're going home together. Right. Save the last dance for me. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, it, there's there's been some like up tempo kind of like Latin flavored recordings. But Harry Nilsson did a recording of it on Pussycats. That's amazing. Mm. Great album, Pussycats, produced by John Lennon. Wow. Have you ever listened to it? No, I don't think so. Do you know the song Many Rivers to Cross by Jimmy Cliff? No. I mean, Jimmy Cliff, he's like a... I I listen to Jimmy Cliff. Right. So, um, again, sort of a up-tempo, you know, reggae, soca kind of number. Um, Yeah, it's called Pussycats. Harry Nilsson, produced by John Lennon. Uh, made when John Lennon was on his quote-unquote lost weekend when he lived in L.A. for a while, and he wasn't with Yoko. Um, and he was hanging out with Harry Nilsson a lot and partying a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what you did when you hung out with Harry Nilsson. Yes. Yeah, he was good for that. But a friend of mine was describing... So the recording of uh, Many Rivers Across starts the album, and a friend of mine described it to me once as... He sings this Jimmy Cliff song, but he's singing it like he's getting shot. (laughs) And it's true. Wow. It's amazing. He famously kind of like messed up his vocal cords um, during the recordings for Pussycat. Pussycats. Yeah, it's plural. All right. Check it out. That's today's, this week's album recommendation. Album of the week. (laughs) Pussycats. Yeah, it's good. Um, People think that Harry Nelson didn't do anything good after like Nelson Schmilson. That's, that's kind of like the argument put forward in the documentary about him, but I don't I think that it. that's true. I should see it. Is it good? I mean, it's good in that it puts his life together in an effective three-act narrative kind of way, but, but it doesn't transcend. I disagree with, for example, that. Like, I think that a lot. Yeah. He did a lot of great stuff after that. Um, anyway, back to cooking. You may. You had you just. Why do you like to cook? This is not about me. Yes, it is. All right. All right. Um, it's going to be. I'm going to make it well, about you. I feel like now I have to come up with the deeper psychological roots of why I like to cook. Well, so you do but, like to cook at home, though, cook, right? Yeah, yeah, it's my life. I mean, you've posted like six photos of quesadillas in the last <laughs> week. That's what happened this week. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I feel like I cook for different reasons at different times. Sometimes it's because I have a story to do, and I need a way to procrastinate. You need to get away from what you actually are supposed to do. Yeah. Yes. So it's like... That's why I cook. It's like I'm in the middle of writing, and it's like, oh, it's lunchtime. Oh, I'll just, you know, make a little lunch. And then, like, two hours later, I, like, made some elaborate meal. You're like, you know what? Let's take this over to the grocery store and uh, get a few ingredients. Um, So there's, like, that. And then, you know, there's also the pleasure of cooking for company. Yes. Which I did last night. We had some friends over, and I That's made important. Um, some, a meal, which was like, there's lots of satisfying things about cooking for other people, and like they bring a salad, and you bring a thing, and like you hang out, and it's like fun, and you know, community. I love a good dinner party or a gathering of friends around food. Us humans, we like to gather around the fire. Yeah. Um, and then there's and tell like, stories of battles old. I'm sure there's like some deep-seated reason that I cook related to my father never cooking and my mom. I was going to ask, is it your dad it? or your mom? Wait, well, so your dad would cook and your my, mom would complain about it? No, my dad would never cook. Oh, he would never cook. Ironically, my dad would always talk about how he was such a good cook because when they met, he was a cook in a restaurant and she was the waitress. And then like once they got together, he just like never cooked ever again. Wow. One year, I like, passive aggressively got my dad a frying pan for Hanukkah. Was it, was it, did everyone get the joke? No. I don't think so. So he's like, look, you should see me chop an onion. Like, he could, he was a line cook or something? Yeah, or? he was a line cook, you know. Um, Before he was a potter? 
before he was a before potter. he found what he yeah there was did like the line cook, art teacher, Spanish teacher, then artist. Anyway, um, yeah, so those those are like a brief tour mm-hmm. of some of the reasons why. No, no, no. Let's stay on the dad thing. This is good because so when you're cooking, are you do you feel like you're correcting like what was an imbalance in your child at home? Hello, Martha. Hello. Oh my goodness, that looks beautiful. All for me. Thank you. You put no, it on the right side. <laughs> um, Can I butter the, our waffle? Yeah, as long as you use all the butter. Oh, yeah. I don't want any butter left in that paper. There's going to be no butter in this paper. I'm going to smush it out onto the, yeah. Um, I mean, I not consciously. I'm not, like, thinking about it consciously. But when I, when I try to think about why I cook, I mean, there's also something creative about it, you know? Like, I like trying to figure things out in the kitchen. I, I, it, I feel like that's what the fermenting falls into. It's like, oh, I'm going to try to do this project, right? Like, behind a ferment stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, fermenting is um, an interesting part of cooking because it's definitely definitely on the uh, artistic side of cooking. That is the... Which is weird because I always, I always associate it with, like, the scientific aspect of But it's not... Pres- it can never be calculated like I know and I had that realization the other day when like this preschool mom was like asking me about fermenting sauerkraut she's like we really wanted to get into the details of she's like what's your recipe what do you what do you kind of salt do you use and I was like I don't remember what kind of salt I used it's like, just sea salt or co- kosher salt yeah, never iodized salt I knew it was one of those but I just feel like people get especially people that aren't really comfortable with you want them. an egg uh yeah I'll have an egg here get closer um but no, th- but I think that it is artistic because because you will always encounter you cannot just follow a recipe with fermenting. Um, here, and you're gonna split the parsley garnish with you too. Should we ask for some salt water? We can make salt water. You want some salt water? To dip the parsley in. Oh, okay. I thought you wanted to ferment something. <laughs> let's just can we get a six like and a half a percent brine, just Martha? Like hide a jar of something fermenting in our table here. So since I've mentioned the fried chicken and Valentine's Day, and since we're talking about fermentation. Let me drop a little bit of a tip for you other home fermenters out there. If you're brining your vegetables and then you eat them all, for example, like if you're making sour dill pickles um, and you'll have all this brine left over after you've eaten the pickles that you submerge the cucumbers in, save it. Or drink it. Well, you can drink it, but what I suggest you do is go to the store and buy a chicken, cut it up, and then pour the brine over it and let it sit there for a day or two. Then take the chicken out, let it dry out in the fridge for, well, at least, you know, eight hours or like the course of a day. And then just dredge that in flour and fry it in peanut oil and it will impart a succulence and sabor to the chicken that you couldn't get any other way. Is it is it so good that it replaces diamonds and flowers on Valentine's Day. Those are the diamonds and the flowers. It's actually just a daikon, ginger, garlic, <laughs> brine leftover. But I, I did that with exactly what I just said. It was a daikon ferment that was long since eaten, but I saved the brine in a glass jar. Let's say you and I brine the chicken in it. Not quite that ambitious. Could you just like pour your leftover Bubby's pickle juice? Could you do that? Fried chicken with a pickle back? Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, let's say you don't have a jar of fermented drippings. Right. Ferment drippings. drippings. Can you just do the pickle juice from a jar? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I save, like, I eat a lot of cornichon. The, uh... you say that? <laughs> cornichon. It's a French word. Um, it's like the little kind of bumpy, I think a lot of the time they call them um, Israeli cucumbers. They're like a couple inches long, thin, very bumpy, and they're pickled in vinegar. It's a French pickle. Um, you have them with like cheese a lot of the time, or um, you'll see them so in the French preparations. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think you want to like soak your. So I throw that in. I would throw that in with the with the salt brine um, or other. What else are you going to... You know, th- that's for, like, a quick marinade. Because it's very salty and it's vinegary, too. Right. So why do you cook again? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> you had an epiphany. I, I realized that I like spending time alone, meditatively. You know, that's the thing about 
doing the preparation that takes five times as long or, you know, when I'm smoking something, I love that I have to like go out there and check it a million times and like add coals and adjust heat and adjust the vents. And, you know, I love all of that tinkering, even if it takes, you know, 10 hours, I'm happy to do it by myself and never eat anything all day long. And like, I'm not hungry. I'm not thinking sometimes, about anything else. Sometimes cooking fills me up. Is that ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh, all the time. You spend a lunch time cooking food, and then like by the time you're done, you're just like, oh, I'm not hungry. I haven't eaten anything. I think when you start doing more ambitious stuff in the kitchen, that's something that happens where you're like, I don't even want this. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. happy like shoving a tortilla. Exactly. You're, it's like when your you're face. when you're on the line, kind of like because I mean, it's, it's like, like eating is an afterthought. It's about cooking. Yeah, and I feel like secretly my the things I would like to eat would just be like you know like one of my favorite meals lately is uh, I took a can of vegetarian chili from Trader Joe's the canned and I'll pour that over like some spaghetti and then I put a bunch of crema in it it's fucking delicious but it's like so gross and delicious you know what I mean do you mix in the crema yeah so what, like what is the crema it's like sour Mexican cream crema. oh actual okay yeah, like from the Mexican grocery store by my house I love it. It's so good. Mm-mm-mm. It reminds me of like Chili Mac. What do you call it? Dish. I don't know. It's sort of like my take on chi- like it's like a Dave's Chili cheap, Mac. Cheap. Chi- I mean, I like to make proper Chili Mac where you like actually make a macaroni and cheese from scratch. And you make chili from scratch. Put that together. So good, but heavy and like. What's your Chili Mac like? Rich. I use what make- cheeses are you using? Oh, at least three. Oh, really? I, I rarely make macaroni and cheese with less than three cheeses. I mean, you want a creamy cheese for texture, you want, like, a sharp cheese for flavor, and then I'll usually add, like, maybe a funky cheese or, like, a just parm on top, you know? Yeah. Like a finishing cheese. So tell, tell us what's your, what's your creamy cheese. It depends. It's really whatever I have in the fridge. Sometimes it'll be, uh, like, a brie or cream cheese, you know, camembert, what do you call it? Camera bear. Camera bear. Yeah. <laughs> he's my favorite Care Bear. The cheesiest of the he, Care Bears. He's the Care Bear who's always taking selfies. Yeah. Cheesy selfies. Camembert? Camera bear. Camera bear. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like... And that was today's Malaprop. Yeah. We no. should... We don't usually do an album. But, like... No. But we should do Malaprops and albums and... We should... I mean, that, again, that, that would take a level of pre-planning that we have We should have a soundboard for when, like, we mention... When the malaprop happens, it, it yeah. should be, like, some sort of sound effect, like like ketchup squirting out of a, yeah. I mean, a squeeze could, bottle. Yeah. And that was today's malaprop. <laughs> so, Dad's a liar, and that's why you cook. I get it. I don't know that my dad's a liar. It was just frustrating to see my mom get so annoyed by my dad's lack of ability or willingness to cook. Because my, my dad, like, especially lately, he hasn't been working as much because he was sick. And my mom would work all day, come home, and then, like, my dad was, like, expect her to have dinner. And she was just, like, not having it. Whoa. Yeah. Getting pissed at him. I would get pissed at him, too. It's like you just sat at home all day watching television. Yeah. Feeling sorry for yourself. I don't know. I think it's really important to cook for yourself and your the people you live with. Yeah. And your friends, like. I mean, not to mention just like basic levels of equity in a relationship and like I don't know. Oh, definitely. So is that just an old school? Like, is that like a generational, like gendered thing? You think or? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or is it just your dad? Supposedly it's better now, and my mom like told my dad that she has he has to help her on Sundays cook meals for the week, and I guess they are. But I feel like for me, I'd be like that's not good enough. It's like we're splitting this up evenly. Yeah. You cooking half the meals, I'm cooking half the meals. Is that how it goes in your house? I do all the cooking in our house. Yeah. All of it. And Does Katya not like to cook? She's not good at it. She doesn't like to do it. She's not a good cook. Um, <laughs> And we're happy with the situation. The arrangement, yeah. She does a little bit more of the cleaning, and like, right, t- takes care of like a lot of the financial stuff. 
and I like make sure we're fed. I do most of the shopping. I make sure Faye's lunches are made every night, you know, and that's I do all the dishes. Seems like a fair. It works for us. Yeah. And if I don't feel like cooking, we go out to eat. Yeah. Yeah. But cooking at home. I don't think people do it enough. And also, I think that there's something about, yeah, obviously, like, having friends over and having them even just be satisfied with having had a meal, I think, is... I derive a lot of pleasure out of that. And it doesn't have to be some big thing, you know? It's just, like, as long as food is provided. Yeah, and also as someone who likes to drink alcohol, I feel like (laughs) when I cook... Well, now we're getting into the dangerous territory. Well, I'm just saying that, like, that's one of the ways in which I actually sort of drink responsibly. Like, if I'm, because I like to have a beer. Oh, okay, you and I are different. While I'm cooking. Absolutely. And I'm, like, busy enough that I'm not, like, drinking too much. And, like, by the time I sit down to eat, like, it's just sort of, it's, like, a nice way to, like, moderate drinking and enjoy it, you know. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, like, you know, going to a bar. Like drinking socially. Where oh yeah, like you're not there you're to drink. Like, right. And that's when it gets out of hand, you know, for me. But so with like when the smoker is going, I'm drinking the beer by myself outside all day long, yeah, like without eating anything. Yeah, that's that's trouble ter- well, territory. I get through it. I mean, I can't do the six hours. As long as you're you're built for it. <laughs> I mean, you can be built for it, but it's still gonna ruin your day the next day. For me alone. I feel like maybe you're built for it in a way that I'm not. Yeah, maybe I am. But it definitely goes hand in hand, and it's pleasurable. And, of course, when the cooking happens at the end of the day, there's a ritual consumption of alcohol at the end of the day associated with it strongly. Yeah. And meaningfully. I don't know about meaningfully, but... I think it's it's important to to switch it up at the end of a, a long day. I get pretty crowded by thoughts that um, I want to deal with. <laughs> Mornings are easier for thoughts, except the phones kind of mess that up because now it's like roll over, check Twitter. Oh, there David's going for the parsley. I guess I have to do it now. Let's cleanse the palate. You cleanse the palate after you eat? Yeah, I mean, in between. But there's nothing else to eat. There's coffee. That's true. I mean, it's sort of like instead of brushing your teeth, you'll just <laughs> eat, some eat some parsley. And I'm sure it was washed three times. Yeah. Do you want to talk about anything else? Or do you want to... No, I want to just sit here for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm saying, do you want to. <laughs> transition into a new segment or do you want to keep philosophizing about cooking do you feel like we got to why you cook yeah like i, I said mean, that was a revelation for me that's stuff about your your dad yeah when he would cook he would always make the same thing matzo brie oh, he called it fried matzo which is like eggs and matzo scrambled up put syrup on it it's good it's fine Sort of a chilaquiles of the tribe. I I do remember when I was a kid, we were really into the frugal gourmet. We would watch it on television. TV show, yeah. Every week. And I do remember cooking some dishes from that, the frugal gourmet cookbook with my dad. A few times. And there are pictures of us with chef hats on, sitting on the counter as little kids. But that's like the only times, like, that and the matzah is the only times I think of. I mean, my dad makes his own breakfast in the morning, but it's just oatmeal. He makes oatmeal every morning. Does he do, like, does he soak it and do the whole... No, it's like, in, it's like microwave, instant. put cinnamon, sugar. I eat a lot of oatmeal in the morning. I don't like oatmeal. You don't like oatmeal? I do not like it. Why not? No, it's just kind of like goopy and it is sloppy goopy. and like the texture is like gross and it doesn't have You don't like the sliminess? Do you like okra? I do like okra. Yeah. I think I gave you some fermented okra. Or you, you ate some. I tried some of yeah. it was good. Yeah, okay. it was my favorite thing you fermented, but... It's a weird one. Yeah. 
but you gotta stretch, you know? It's important to ferment outside your co comfort zone. I know. I met a woman at the Hollywood Farmer's Market last weekend who teaches a kimchi class, like kimchi oh, workshop, yeah, here in Silver Lake. Mm. And she's uh, a master preserver, which uh, there's this course at UCLA in, um, that was kind of famous to me, at least, uh, when I didn't live here, it was going on, and then it closed down. And But now it's under a different banner. They basically do the same instructions, and you can get certified, and basically it's all kinds of, like, preserving techniques, and including canning and fermenting, I think. Uh, but when she emailed me, I gave her my business card. Uh, we met through, so I ran into Deep from Good Girl Dinette. Uh -huh. What, is this not interesting enough for the Astro? No, it is. I was just, like, making, I was laughing at your rapid fire. Yeah, it's too much coffee. Look, we gotta go, 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 go. It's it's a Friday. Yeah. People have places to be, stuff to get done. We have to be here for an hour, but so I ran into deep at the Hollywood <laughs> Farmers Market from Good Girl Dinette. Yeah. The chef of a great Vietnamese, Vietnamese diner. Your old neighborhood, my current neighborhood. Right. It's so good. Everybody go. Um, but Deep had her cart and she was buying kabocha squash from someone and uh, we said hi and talked about our troubles and uh, <laughs> and then we ran into this woman uh, who Deep introduced me to as somebody who teaches a kimchi workshop. So I gave the woman my business card and she emailed me and at the bottom of her email it said master food preserver and I was like, oh, do you know Kevin West? Because Kevin West is a friend of mine who had done it, and he wrote this book called Saving the Season, which is a really great, amazing, preserving Bible. Um, and he's also the person who, I believe it was California Sunday Magazine, called him a professional gentrifier. <laughs> he and his partner um, brought all of those new vendors into Grand Central Market. Oh. They were hired by the owner to yeah. curate. That was a... And he wrote the Grand Central Market cookbook. Child for gentrification right there. Yeah, well... Hate to break it to you, but this city doesn't belong to anybody, <laughs> except for the almighty dollar. Yeah. That's not my official take on <laughs> on the G word, but, you know. It's just the truth. We're just it's, dropping the truth here. <laughs> SM58s and the truth. I keep thinking that when Friday rolls around, I will have figured out how to change our format, but we're still doing the oh, download I, on me and Dave. Yeah. This is still season one of the Astro. <laughs> I actually had an idea that we should do bits, and like instead of having guests, you would just... It'd be sort of like best show style, where it's like you would just be a character, and I would interview you, because you're good at that. And, it would and I would have to stay in character? Well, not for the whole show. That's gonna be hard when we're face to face because I'm just like looking like, at you, you and know, you're gonna be like, you like, ridiculous like, clown. Could you show up? Have a guest, you know? And it would just be like, you know, like if we do it masterfully, it'd be like Phil Henry level, where like you would also be asking questions too, you know? Do you ever listen to Phil Henry? No. You don't know Phil Henry? Oh my god, he's the best. He had this talk show where. He's not on Best Show. No, no, he was on his own thing for a long time, and he was on talk radio, and he would have guests, but the guests were himself doing the voices, so he would be interviewing himself. Right. Like half the listeners didn't know. Should we try it? Um, sure. Like, half the listeners didn't know that he was fake. So right. He, so he would take calls, and these people would be like, I can't believe this guy. Like, this, uh, you know. And then well, that's like, like Andy Kaufman's yeah, manager. Or whatever. What was what was Andy Kaufman's um, doppelganger, alter ego? Yeah, but it was basically like that. But every week he did it, and he was so masterful at it. And he would do, like, a, care, a fake character. He would take calls. As Phil Hendry, he would, like, do all these. So like, he would he, do voices. Yeah, you should go listen to some Phil Hendry. It's really great. And I was thinking, like, we could do something like that, where, like, you know, like, oh, we have a guest, but it's really just you doing the voice. So, what's the first character? Who's the first guest? I don't know. I was just sort of throwing out ideas. I didn't realize it was going to have materialize into an actual bit. Well, we can save it for next we week, but I... storm for this... For right, this I'm just wondering how we would... Like, how do you start making a character like I mean, that? that? Like, classical where... music host? I mean, it could be based on real people. Or it could be, like, um... Right. Take a takeoff on an existing person. You know... Like, like, you know, we could just sort of, like, lampoon, like, pretentious food critics or, like, I don't know, like, there's a lot of directions you could take it in, you know? It seems dangerous. It seems dangerous to, like, improvise a character like this because I'll probably do something offensive. That's the... You know, it, especially if it's based on somebody who actually exists. Here at Live at the we do, yeah. This is a high-wire <laughs> act. So what's the character's name? I don't know. 
How about Stormy McDaniels? <laughs> That's definitely ripe for like danger. But it's a guy. Oh, and what's his story? He like had an affair. He's a promoter? A promoter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think that where my my mind goes when I'm like creating a character, it's, it's like I guess it's based off the Andy Kaufman who's the guy I can't remember, you know, Andy Kaufman's like manager or whatever. Zamuda. So Zamuda was the real guy. Right. And he sometimes portrayed this guy. But why can't I remember it? But but he had this like kind of, you know, invented like rivalry with Andy Kaufman. Yeah. He's gonna like beat him up or whatever or something like that. Man, this is really getting into the territory of like I love how a lot of what we do on this show is kind of like half remember like Wikipedia <laughs> entries that we've read. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to explain to my three. Like anyone who's listening to this could easily just like Google it and read the well, actual version. I By the way, last week no we talked about dactyls and spondies. Uh -huh. I think I got them. I, th I think I flipped them. No one would have known that if you hadn't just outed yourself as being ignorant of a concept. All right. That we so the character like that I'm going to create is always right about everything. Okay. Stormy McDaniels. This is an always right promoter of. I don't know. Maybe like think he... on it. Think on it. Let's not, you know. Okay, so we're not gonna do it right now. Yeah, let's. Well, we... Or unless, do you want to do a character? No, I don't want to do voices. That's not why I can't. Oh, sure you could. Uh, I mean, no. I only, yeah, you can't I even do, do an impression of Scott Carrier. <laughs> I only do voices when I read children's books. Do an impression of Scott Carrier. No. Yes. I can't. Do it. No. Not gonna happen. Why can't you do it? I just can't. I go out on the limb for this show every week. <laughs> I was actually listening to that episode today in the car because because our episode yeah well I was last trying to week? explain to dactyls and spondies and semitas explain to my daughter why I couldn't play with her at preschool this morning because like <laughs> daddy's got to go to well it's not work but she, I was like because I, I used to call it work I used to be like I have to go work with Richard and she's like oh you work with Richard and I was like well we don't work together we. She's we, like, Richard works? <laughs> he doesn't seem like the type of guy who... And then I was like trying to explain to her that we do a show, record it, and I was like, you know what, you want to hear it? You want to hear the show? And she's like, yeah. And so then I just put it on in the car, and she listened for like, I don't know, three, maybe four seconds, and then just immediately started reading her book to herself <laughs> out loud in the back seat. Like, did not care. Has she listened to other of your work? No. I Thank mean, you. she's heard me I'm like honored. editing stuff. Right. And, but it's usually other people's voices. Right. She's like, Dad? Why are you doing an impression of Scott Carrier? <laughs> Why are you refusing to do an impression? No, um, yeah. A couple people hit me up about that. They were like, "Why wouldn't he do it?" And I was like, "I have no idea." Apparently, he does it all the time when he reads his his scripts. I used to. Oh, you're, so you're saying you don't do Scott Carrier anymore? No. I did. I did when I was starting out because I needed like a way to figure out who I was, and so I did it by image. But like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, that's like when I started playing mandolin, I played like Bill Monroe. <laughs> now I play like Richard Parks. Badly, once a year. So we're going to do characters. Look out for that. Yeah, um, next episode. We'll instead of having kids. guests, we're just going to, I'm going to pretend no, I'm other guests. people. Real guests coming up on the next Real episode. Guests. Real guests. Stormy guests. McDaniels. McDaniels. <laughs> And then we'll have to like a How about it's apology Stormy McDaniel. <laughs> was, was that Scottish or French Canadian? I couldn't tell. <laughs> Tune in next week. <sighs> it would be good if it was Scottish, I think. Sure. I think any accent is gold. So any accent is gold. The Astro way. Well, thank you for listening to the episode. Um, like I said, four or five seconds, I'd say. I felt like last week's was probably our best ever. Really? In a way, I think that I think that it encapsulated a lot of what is good about what we do here, which is like, for example, I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but <laughs> in what other podcasts anywhere could you hear about ancient Latin verse and sandwiches regional to Puebla, Mexico. I don't think that that type of spectrum exists no. in, this, in this space. <laughs> Another thing that's rich 
territory is uh, being in your mid-30s and kind of questioning everything. Yeah. Oh, you, were, you, you mentioned that when that um, Pat Walters put something on Facebook about how, like, which is kind of a weird thing to post, but he was like, are you 35 and freaking out because your life didn't turn out the way you thought it would? Or is your life perfect and you're freaking out about how perfect it is? I know. It's he like, a weird. He kind of cre- set up the dichotomy really <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. And so everyone was just like, I'm good. Yeah. Nope, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Everything's black and white. Um, I mean, the point is that, like, everyone's freaking out. This question is, are you freaking out because your life is so perfect or because... It's in the it's a trash fire. Well, it's like what people say about Colorado. It's like, is everybody fit because they grew up in Colorado, or did everyone just move there in order to be fit? I didn't know people said that. I just said that. I don't know. <laughs> Stormy McDaniel said that. <laughs> so I liked it. You didn't. What do you think about last week's episode? What's your favorite? Pick one right now. Whatever yeah, just blur came. together. I would yeah. say last week's was good. They're all the same. I think the first one was good. The first one was good. Yeah. Plans, rules, and the best possible outcome. I like a good, I like a good, um, real time origin story. Right, real time origin stories. There's the ice, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Weekly segment the ice gets refilled. It is. It's great. I mean, he's yeah. doing his job. Yeah. He refills that ice. He's a working diner, folks. People have work to do. I wonder how how close to this time it happens every week. I think that it usually happens a little bit earlier, actually. Usually we start a little bit earlier. Oh, we've got a ways to go. Yeah. I wrote some things down. Should we? Sure. Yeah, let's go to your stuff. Um, I, had a, I had a Valentine's Day fail, I would say. So, my wife was out of town this week, and so I was, like, solo parenting all week. And it's Valentine's Day, and, like, my daughter's preschool, they sent out this email that was like, hey, everyone, you know, if you want to bring Valentine's for all the kids at school, it's totally optional, but we're going to have a Valentine's Day picnic. And we asked each kid what their favorite food was that they wanted to bring and share with the class. And Faye, my daughter, said, rice. So I made some rice, and I sent her out to school with, like, a Tupperware of, like, white rice for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And then I picked her up at the end of the day, and she had this bucket. All the kids made buckets and painted them with hearts and stuff. And inside the bucket was just full of, like, homemade cookies and, like, all these Valentine's Day cards. And, like, one kid put little tiny colorful rocks in a bag that said, you rock. And I just started freaking out. And I was like... She was, she was like, yeah, we did this thing where we all, everyone got to pass out the Valentines they brought for everyone and put them in their bucket. <laughs> and I was like, but you didn't bring any Valentines, to, you know, gifts. And she's like, yeah, I didn't get to pass anything out. And I was like, were you sad? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, did, did anyone else not bring Valentines? And she was like, no, I was the only kid. And I was like, oh, you were the no. only kid that didn't bring Valentines in her class? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, it just like it hit me really hard, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like it gets at this... Like, there's a big... Parenting is really hard, and I feel like it's hard in the way that a lot of things creatively are hard. It's like you have to work really hard to make something good, and it's like to make a proper, good human being in the world. It, like, it takes a lot of work, and there's like, you know... You know, like, for example, on the weekends, we let our kid watch cartoons, and it's like... I was talking to this parent who's like maybe putting their kid in Waldorf school. I'm like, oh, in Waldorf school, they've done all these studies and like every minute of television makes the kid like less attentive and like ruins their creativity. And it's like this was like another example of like, oh my god, should I have sat down and like? Because at the time I remember thinking like, oh, it's optional. And then I was like, Kaji's out of town. I don't want to sit down and make 30 fucking Valentines for a bunch of kids. Like, and then we got invited to this bonfire on the beach the night before, and I was like, I would rather do that. So we did that. We went to that like, beautiful night watched the sunset with my other friends some other kids and had a fire and it was great but then I just felt so guilty I was like oh my god like am I, am I gonna raise a monster and like then I was like oh do all these parents are all the kids going home and being like every kid brought Valentine's <laughs> except for Faye you know and it's like oh god and I just was like got so sad thinking about her being the only kid not getting to pass out Valentine's Day and it just like just crushed me you know 
And then like after, right after she told me that, she just looked at me and she went, "You're the best dad ever." And then she like gave me this big hug, and I was like, I was like, is she just saying that because she says that sometimes? And I think it comes from like a genuine place with that she actually loves me, or did she like see how sad I got when she told that story and was like, "I need to comfort my father." Oh, like, like in the moment. Yeah, like, I just like couldn't figure out what was happening there, but yeah, I gotta be on it. And I feel like at the kid stuff, you know, school things now in the future <laughs> in a way that I wasn't this week. That's rough. Yeah. So you understood that there was an option to make Valentine's and send her to school with them. Yeah. I figured a lot of my parents wouldn't do it. And I just didn't want to do it. It was like, <laughs> it was like kind of selfish of me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that was a, I'm sorry. That's all right. You know, that's okay. I don't think it really... Do you think that Faye passed out the rice? Well, every kid brought food and they shared it. So they definitely had the picnic, you know. Do you think that when the other kids are telling their parents that your daughter was the only one who didn't have Valentine's, the parents are like, oh, and uh, what, what, did, uh, what did Faye come with in terms of food? <laughs> like an old yogurt container filled with white rice? It was actually an old seaweed salad <laughs> container. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day you They're like, yeah, that about adds up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah um, I feel like the, the, the At least I didn't like screw up the romantic side of Valentine's Day Only because my wife was out of town So around. I didn't have, like, there was no But we had a really great anniversary dinner Like the, 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 the night before she left So I felt like, the, the two days before she left So Happy anniversary Thank you So at least I did. Ten big ones. Ten years, yeah. Yeah. But then, so then I took small comfort because I was like, because I kept, I kept being, because, you know, she's a three-year-old, my daughter, so she can sometimes be an unrelated narr narrator. And I was like, are you sure no other kids? Like, are you sure you were the only kid? <laughs> like, I was like thinking, like, maybe there had to be one other kid. And then I was like, did Clara bring Valentine's? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, Clara did. And I was like, Clara wasn't at school. That's <laughs> you know, like I'm like, like I don't know like it's just like absurd that I'm like trying to like make myself feel better by like trying to convince my daughter that she actually wasn't the only person there like if she felt like she was the only person without Valentine like that's all that really matters it doesn't matter right. like you know but anyway you're like ha gotcha <laughs> you little liar <laughs> this doesn't make me any better of a parent in that situation in fact I would argue that it makes me even worse you know but oh don't beat yourself up you're, you're a yeah, person of experience over material things. Yeah, and... The bonfire instead of the Valentine's. She had a blast at that bonfire. We made s'mores. We should play in the water. Like, she had a great night. I had a good time. It's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I feel like we come back to that a lot of the time. Y you say that a lot. No, well, I believe in it. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Is that how you get through the day? Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I think it usually, usually you're beating yourself up for, for something on and the some, show. Yeah. And you also, when you're beating yourself up, I've noticed that you often call yourself Weinberg. Hmm. Hmm. Like when you were talking means. about when you couldn't fall asleep, like we were talking about what we think about when we can't sleep at night. Yeah. And you're like, I'm usually just thinking like, get to sleep, Weinberg. <laughs> <laughs> And there were a couple other times. Yeah. And then you say, everything's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Everything's okay. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> we can move on from this. What else did you write down in your little field notes? Um, oh, I, I wrote the bonfire, which I already talked about. I wrote... Oh, I went to Shibumi. You went to Shibumi? Never. It's a... Fine dining Japanese restaurant. I think in 2016, Jonathan Gold put it at number two in the best 101 restaurants in LA. I think it's been in the top five consistently ever since then. And so Kaji and I went there for our anniversary, our 10th anniversary. And it was really good. It was like fun, which I feel like a lot of times fine dining is not fun. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like kind of can be like stuffy or just like the food's good, but like everything else is just sort of like. But we How did the meal proceed? We sat at the counter, which was like, if you're going to uh, go to Shibumi, my advice is sit at the counter. Nice. Because you get to interact and like watch all this amazing, beautiful, That's good high, advice across high the board. technical stuff happen. Yeah. The chef is right there. 
you, you also get to like one of my favorite things about restaurants is sort of like the social aspect of them because I always loved working in restaurants. Right. Like they, they were my social life for a long time, and so getting to like witness the dynamic of like the cooks and the waiters and the chef, like all sort of like it's almost like a performance, like a, a play that happens every night, you know. So that's really fun and. Go ahead. And then you know. Get poetic. You're also like adjacent to the other diners you know like you're much, you're much closer to them so you can kind of eavesdrop on their conversations and you can see what they order and you can like maybe talk to them if they seem like they're open to that and like it just opens up this other world of interaction and like social social interaction that I that I appreciate um there was this great moment where like the you know I don't know what his t- role was but he was the guy that took our drink order and like he was like kind of like the bartender he'd make these cocktails and they would make this cocktail where he takes a uh block of ice it's like about the size of a fist and then he takes this pick and he like feverishly like packs at it and like ice goes flying everywhere and he basically turns the cube into a sphere and then drops it in the cup it's like very there's a lot of showmanship at the restaurant yeah. which is really cool um and did you have one of those no i just had sake um like a nice carafe of sake and they bring out this like tray of like handmade um pottery cups that are all very different you pick the one you want it was like fun you know but anyway at one point the guy who was the cocktail he was walking by there's one guy who all he does is like cut sashimi and plate the like very delicate sashimi dishes mm-hmm. and all he, he's just like high wires intensely focused on cutting all the time and at one point the um other guy like walked behind him and like bumped his arm with a knife as he was cutting like a really expensive piece of sashimi and it was just like the guy looked up and was like <gasps> you know and then the guy who bumped him was like uh, and it was like uh, you know it was like super dramatic <laughs> so they messed up the fish I think it was fine but it was just Still like you know good. those like sort of like small dramatic moments that are fun and the food was really good we did the omakase so I think we had like right. it was like eight or nine courses and like halfway through I was like oh man is this gonna be one of those meals where like it's really good but then we have to go in and out burger afterwards because like we're still <laughs> just hungry. tiny bites but then, like, the last two courses were just, like, giant bowls of meat and rice. <laughs> we were, like, so full that we went home and went to sleep. We were, like, we're going to go out. And our daughter had a sleepover at our friend's house, so we had the whole night. And we're, like, we're going to go home and watch a movie. And then we just, like, fell asleep because we were so full and tired. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was a really good anniversary. That sounds great. And I recommend Shibumi. Get that Where is Shibumi? It's underneath a parking garage in downtown. Right. It's, like, at 7th and... What's up, 7th? Like near Hill, but I it's, think. But it's above ground, right? No, no, it's, yeah, it's like, you don't go down, but like on top of it is a parking garage. Right. Like, it's a weird, kind of like what you'd expect from like a, like a lot of good LA spots are just like in par- weird strip malls or parking lots. Right. And it was really good. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. Do you park in the parking lot? We did. Got parking validated. Nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Shibumi. We had a drink at the um, Biltmore before dinner, which was nice. Oh, yeah, you like the bar at the Biltmore, right? It's okay. I feel like I started to like it less this time. What I happened? Mean, the first time I went there, I was like, this place is great. And now I'm just like, eh, it's not that great. It's fine. What I mean, was... I feel like the hotel, it's nice. And those big, that big, long hallway with, like, the really nice ceilings and that, like, lobby area off to the side. Of, you know that main hall? It's, like, this super high ceiling. Oh, right. Like the, it's really beautiful in there. It's so good just yeah. to walk through. Yeah. Highly recommend it. But so where is the bar? The bar, the Biltmore. It's inside the Biltmore. <laughs> what do you mean? Where is it? I don't know. Where is it like positioned? Um. Well, it's confusing because I'm not sure what the main entrance of the Biltmore is. But you go in what I think is the main entrance, and it's just basically this. It's not the main entrance actually. But so there's like an entrance on the side of the building that takes you down that long hallway, and you go about halfway down, and it's to the right. And then there's a bunch of ballrooms. The first time I went there was with the L.A. Press Club. So they had the events like that. There was, like, a high school reunion when we were there. So that was just kind of fun to just sort of, like, watch that for a minute. We kind of peeked in and, you know. Downtown is full of treasures. Full of life and treasures. I was uh, in a treasure downtown this week. Ooh. Los Angeles. Los Angeles Athletic Club. Oh, I saw you post. A, are you a member of that? I am not. You snuck in? Invite? Invite. Mm. Friend, friend of a member. Wow. What's it like in there? VIP. Well, it's a freestanding building in downtown Los Angeles, and it was founded in 1880. Damn. And it's also a hotel. The top several floors, I think it's a 12-story building, and I think the top two or three floors are hotel rooms. When you, when you walk in, there's a reception area, 
and then I'm, I'm sure that they rent out a couple floors to offices that the gym and athletic club, like the locker rooms, at least the men's locker rooms are start on the fifth floor. And on the sixth floor is where the swimming pool is, which is the, the first above ground level swimming pool west of the Mississippi. And people, there were either Olympic games or Olympic training that happened there the first time the Olympics were in LA, which was in like, I think the twenties or thirties. Um, but you know, like Charlie Chaplin was a member and stuff when he had his movie theater down the street, which is now next to the Ace Hotel. Um, but it's, they've, every manner of workout that right. you could imagine. They have this beautiful pool uh, that I look forward to swimming in. I didn't because my gym bag is kind of odd. I noticed when I got there that my gym bag has like three pairs of fresh socks, <laughs> uh, like two button-up shirts, <laughs> goggles, but no swim trunks. Uh, you know, it was just like, uh-huh. and I, then I had to buy a t-shirt, uh, which- Why are those dumb things in your gym bag? It's just the gym bag got kind of messed up at some point. You know, I, I cycled out too many of the right things, and it's also kind of my weekend bag, so, mm. you know, it's a weekend bag. I've never been a gym guy, so I don't have a gym bag. I've never... This is not a bag that I got for the gym, or maybe it was. Um, I, I got it for uh, a Christmas or a birthday recently. Caitlin got it for me because I had been talking about how I wanted a bag like that. You know, just like a soft a bag. to put my extra socks and button-up shirts and goggles. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> well, usually I have it ready to go and I keep it in my um, in my car unless I want to, like, pop into the Korean spa, which is my gym. Yeah. Thank you, Martha. Welcome, sweetie. It was delicious, as always. Do you have big plans for the weekend? Work. I'm going to be here working. And Monday, too. Mm. Is it a holiday on Monday? Yeah, it is. The President's right. Day. Yeah, right. I'm, I am Martha Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know Martha's secret. Yeah. She's 350 years old. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. But this building, I highly recommend going there. There are a couple restaurants. I think there's three restaurants. There's like a bar area. Is all these. The public? Can you just go in there and eat, eat No, meal? not at all. It's oh. a private club. It's probably pretty expensive to join, huh? Uh, I mean, I think that, I think that it's like 200 something a month. Yeah, that's expensive. Uh, but I mean, I think that that's what like Equinox is and all this like BS that everyone in LA so goes expensive. to. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it's still for what it is, I mean, I think that it's pretty cool. There's lots of like high ceiling, you know, exposed wood banquet halls. There's like this secret bar above the bar that um, I forget. You get buzzed in and you can go up you and get like... You buzz in and then you get And then buzzed. you get buzzed. And then you go out. And you do some laps. Yeah. <laughs> um, big wine cellar. Just like, you know, weird old world looking stuff. Like it's the kind of place that like, you know, you don't see often in LA. Um, and then... My friend who took me um, grew up in Hancock Park, and uh, which I quasi did as well um, some of the time. But so, like, episode. Whenever my download was, it was yeah. after the son of a Potter and a Methodist. Yeah, that's right. It, the the one after that is about my childhood. Yeah. But so, my friend Hayes, um, you know, like, just he was really entrenched in the neighborhood and like. Uh, knows everybody and so when we were like walking into the locker room after working out um he was like yo what's up samir and he was like richard knows blah 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 and all these people who i don't remember and like vaguely their names are like kind of like connecting synapses but you know he was just like a guy who grew up in la who like went to private school and you know he made some comment just like this is the best kept secret in downtown los angeles because like (laughs) you know uh basically he's like secrets out He's like, no more of this, like, $20,000 a year, you know, like, Bel Air Bay Club stuff, you know, or whatever. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I'm not really, like, playing on that level at all. Like, Yeah. Uh, it's also, like, that's sort of, like, the whole hard sell on downtown L.A. right now. What's that? That it's, like, the classic old yeah. is back, is, like, hip. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that this place is hip yet. Uh, although I think it's threatening it's to be. Secret. I mean, it's directly facing a very hip new thing which is the nomad hotel i don't know the nomad 
It's a hotel that just opened in LA that came from New York that has this like incredible restaurant and incredible like cocktail program attached mm. to it. And you know, they took this old, I think, you know, it was formerly some other hotel. I don't know if it was in operation, uh, but it's right across the street from, it's like Olive and 7th Street downtown. Um, I went there for a cocktail and it was fantastic. And I look forward to going back to eat when I cash my Bitcoins in. Do you have Bitcoins? No. Are you kidding me? The closest I came to Bitcoins was my Lyft driver who was running a $25 million cryptocurrency portfolio for his friend in Russia. Right. He showed me, I took a photo of his, uh, his friend's portfolio, and he was telling me all this other cryptocurrency to get into. And I was like, dude, why are you driving Lyft? If you've got it all figured out. <laughs> Something ain't adding up here, buddy. He also... Um, just to round out his character, he told me that the best thing he ever ate was a shark fin soup dumpling yeah, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Maybe we even talked about this on the episode. Yeah. Whatever. Nobody's listening to all these episodes. <laughs> Actually, I do know a handful of people who listen to all of every single one, which is astonishing. Wow. They talk to me. I'm very engaged with our fan base. Do you, do you hear from anyone who listens to the show? Nick. Nick listens. <laughs> Nick. Nick. <laughs> what does he say about it? I haven't heard that from he him recently it, on it. And that he Could for a while we had a group text going about it. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I'm going to text him right now. Are you going to text Nick right now? No, because actually I owe a draft of my story <laughs> <Yeah>. today, so <laughs> I shouldn't, I'm not going to remind him of my existence yeah. and what I'm doing today. Yeah, sorry, like, Nick. Sorry, I couldn't have your... Uh, I mean, he knows we're doing this. You know what I thought about my story, actually? What? I should just start with what happened, which is that like I was looking into Flexidus and I saw a 300-word article you know, from 1989, and then I just started calling. I have all the calls recorded that I made. I called, like, you know, maybe, like, three dozen people in Galax. Like, I called, like, 50% of the town of Galax. But, it's, but it's just, like, the whole idea, because I think I mean, part I, of the story is that it it's... It could be good. I think it's a better intro than the Fiddle Festival. But it, but it all... Well, you can still, like, ra yeah. this could all happen very quickly, and you yeah. can still say, like, and I went for the during the Fiddle Festival, and then, yeah. like, you just get straight into it. But I just think that there's a little bit of kind of, like, helicopter journalism going on in it, and it's just sort of, like, owning that. Because, like, what happened was this is a story that we, you know, as in, like, the media or whatever, just, like, only cared about this much. And it's just sort of like I looked at, you know, you I saw this a little bit more, a little bit more, <laughs> yeah. well, a 300 word story. She, you know, yeah. her name's Charlene Price. She bought a grocery store and named it The Price is Right. And it's like, well, she won the I want to talk she to this person. She won the McDonald's contest. McDonald's millions. For, she won a million dollars. Yes. From McDonald's promotion. So I thought like, you know, like my, my way into the story and the reason why I'm doing it is like, hey, I want to talk to this lady. And then I just keep hearing like different things and then I hear she's dead and then I go. That sounds good. Yeah. It's, it it's all storytelling. Yeah. It's all storytelling. I mean, it'll just be rewriting it real quick. Uh, all right. We'll see how we you <laughs> Well, you're supposed to sit with me and help me rewrite it. You want to do it today? I do, but there's just... Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Um, anytime. So what did Nick say about the show? Not much. Just that he's behind one episode. But you don't have and any... I told him not to listen to the last one. The, the Decalogue. The six part. Oh, don't listen to the Decalogue. The yeah, yeah. Decalogue. Skip those seven or whatever. Yeah. And that's that's your only super fan. That's the only person I know who actively listens to the show. Wow. I got a few. I haven't even looked at the numbers. I don't think we're at a hundred yet. The numbers are off the charts. Really? No. What do you mean? You mean our download? I don't know how accurate those are. The SoundCloud numbers. Does the SoundCloud numbers include the uh, like iTunes listeners? Well, actually, Apple, so Apple, I don't Apple, know. Yes. And I have a general question about this. Like, when we say, like, Serial got X million downloads, who's giving us that information, and is it verified at all? Because you can get, if you have, like, Lipson as the creator, you can you have access to that. But then if I tell you, oh, I looked at my Lipson and I have 10,000 downloads on this, am I'm I... I'm sure Qua knows the answer to that question. I don't think he does. I'm sure he does. He's written a lot about that, about analytics. And really? And where they're, like, transparent and when they're not, and how they get to those numbers did you see that whatever happened to pizza and mcdonald's started its own podcast network uh i was vaguely aware of that <laughs> oh it's so good that guy does he have other shows i don't know i think well i mean he has the sub podcast crust to crust am <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you not feeling smug enough to enjoy that right now? No, no, no. It's just. What are you thinking about? I'll tell you later. It's off the record. Ooh, it looks like David's got some uh, off the record stuff as well. It's not just me. <laughs> it's also David. I have a private life. It's both of us. But I, by private, I mean things I'm willing to talk about with you that are on this show. Well, let's talk about it right now because the show's about to end. Right. Tune in next week for Stormy McDaniel. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>